Well, I know she said sometimes the, the speaker can get distracted by like your kids, but you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I'm actually more comfortable with noise and chaos. So go ahead, let them scream. Um, so as we can see, the, this verse is gonna, it's kind of everywhere and, sh and she read from it some, but we're gonna look at where this phrase and, and this verse comes from in the Bible when Jesus um, says it in John 10, John 10, 10. Um, we're going to look at just the context of the whole verse, where the words around it, what else, what else is, is um, being said to help us understand what he actually means um, when he says that, and, and then be able to see what, he, what it means for us. Um, so what, let's, let's first read John 10. So I'm going to uh, read that to you first. Um, we're going to start in verse 1. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls to his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. And the, the first few times I was like, I don't either, <laughs> what is happening here? Um, there, next verse, therefore Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, or the, the ESV version says, and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So we're going to focus on the phrase to the full, but in order to really understand what he's saying, we always have to kind of understand the rest of the words around it and, and understand it in the context. Um, you know, so initially when I started asking questions about, about this verse and, and reading the whole thing, I was like more confused. I'm like, what does all of this have to do with this? Um, and, and I know what I want this verse to be saying. I know what I want it to mean for me. Um, I know what I, what I want it to be saying for my life. And, and I also feel like a, a doubting that this could be true um, because I, I don't feel like I would describe my life as, as life to the full all the time. It's definitely full of a lot of things. Um, I could say that it, I don't know that I could say that it's full of life. Um, I definitely, I want it to be, I'm like, sign me up and, and what do I do to get this, to get this life that he's talking about? Um, there's lots of, lots of things that this can mean and, and it can be hard to understand what it means in the context of my life and also in specifically motherhood. What does this mean for us? Because motherhood feels, um, feels like I'm giving away life. It feels like I'm, I'm sacrificing my life to, to fulfill God's, God's call for me. Um, it sometimes feels more like I'm losing life, not like I'm getting it. And, and my days feel full of many other things. Um, full of full of disappointment sometimes, full of failures, full of of work to do, um, full of other people to take care of, full of desires that I have, full of, of things that I want. 
So does he mean that he wants us to be able to do everything that we desire to do? Um, is, it, is it an encouragement for us to try to do everything, to, to fill our schedule with as many, as many things as we can that we feel like give us life? Does it mean that, that no one should get in the way of what we want? Does it mean that Jesus doesn't want us to have to face anything difficult or, or have to sacrifice anything or have to suffer? Has Jesus come that, that we might be able to have the American dream? Is that what he's talking about? These are they're, they're relevant questions to ask um, about this because we, we build our lives around what we think will give us a full, abundant life. We make decisions and, and we, we do things based on what we believe the answers are to these questions. What life has Jesus come to give us? And what is the nature of this life that he's come to give? Uh, so let's look at some things going on in this, in this passage that can help us understand what he's saying. One helpful thing to see is, is the word that's used for life. The Bible, it wasn't originally written in English, so the words we're reading are translated from, from another language. And this word for life, um, originally in the Greek, is the word zoe, where we get like the name zoe, it's that kind of word, but it means life. Um, there's other words that, that the Greek language uses that we translate to life. And we use the same English word for many different Greek words. Um, another Greek word that, that we translate to life is bios, which is where we get like the word biology from. It means physical, the physical life, the body. But the word that John uses in this passage is zoe. So there's another kind of life that Jesus has come to give and it can only be given through him. This is why he says at another time, you must be born again. There's a, another kind of life that he's come to give us. And so Jesus says in this passage, I've come that they may have Zoe and Zoe to the full. Um, John uses this word in, in the whole book over 30 times, depending on which, which version you're reading. And that's way more than, than any other book in the New Testament. So it seemed like an important thing to note when I was studying this. Um, this word is the word for the eternal, uncreated life of God. It's divine life. It's possessed by God that he gives as a gift. Um, it's often used to refer to eternal life or salvation. John says in, in chapter 20, verse 13, that he's written this whole book so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is also the word for life in John 1, where he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In him was life, and this life was the light of men. This is the life that was in the beginning, before creation, that was in the garden. But the life that, that was lost to us and to this world when sin entered this world and brokenness became part of it. And Jesus is saying in this, in this verse, I've come that you might have that life, restoring that life back to you. Um, I'm the way to the goodness of communion with God. Um, so let's look at, at four points that Jesus makes in this, in this passage and what it means for us, how it's, it's meant to speak to us today. Um, so the first thing Jesus says is that he is the gate. He's the door. Um, he says he is the gate or the door into the pasture and the care of the shepherd. He's the way. There's no other way to enter into life except through him. And also in John, he says, 
this might be you know, a familiar verse, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. D.A. Carson um, is an author. He says, there's, there's only one means of receiving eternal life or entering into life, only one source of knowledge of God, only one fount of spiritual nourishment, only one basis for spiritual security, Jesus alone. We can't come into the goodness of, of the life that Jesus gives us by earning it. It's, it's a gift, and he has done all of the work um, for us to receive this gift. We aren't trying to, to earn our way into a good life by doing, um, by doing as many good things as we can. We aren't trying to, to live our lives well to be accepted and loved by God and cared for by him. Our confidence in God's love for us is in the work that, that Jesus has already done by, by paying the penalty for our sins and being raised again to give us life. Our confidence and security in God's love for us cannot be in how well we're doing on a, on a day-to-day basis. So on our good days and on our bad days, we are his because of what Christ has done, not what we have done. You do not enter in on your own merits. This is the life that he's come to give us. It's, it's one that we receive by faith and by trust in him. Um, not that this doesn't, this doesn't matter what we do or how we live our lives, but more than that, it, it, more than more that the, the lives that we live and, and what we do are the evidence of whether we have received this life by God. It's, it's not a life that we earn, but when we receive it, it does change us. So that's, that's the point he's making. He's the gate, he's the door. The next thing that he says, um, number two, is that he is the good shepherd. So he's, he's the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Um, the imagery of, of sheep and shepherd and pasture would have been, been very familiar to the people who were listening to him. Um, not just that it was part of their life in that there were literal sheep and shepherds around them, and they, they saw this picture daily. Um, but it was also imagery that God used all throughout the, the Old Testament. He set shepherds over his people to care for them. He rebuked um, unfaithful shepherds who didn't care well for the people that under their care. And then he also promised in Ezekiel 34 that, that he himself would be the shepherd of his people. And Jesus in this passage is saying, I'm here, I am, I am that shepherd. I am, I am the God come to you to, to feed and to care for and to search out and rescue and, and bind up the, the injured and strengthen the weak and seek the lost. He is that shepherd that has come to us. Um, and he is our good shepherd. Um, he cares for us. He protects and leads and defends and provides for us. He's the door. He's also the shepherd. He's, he's the way in, and he's also the goodness that we experience once we're there. As moms, we're, we're reflecting the love and care of a shepherd to our kids. We are, we are giving that to them. We are shepherding them. But it can be helpful to remember that God is shepherding us um, while we're doing that. He, we are still his, and he's, he's caring for me, and he's sustaining me, and he's providing what I need. And I, I can trust that where he's leading me is the path of life. Um, and that might mean a path that feels backwards, and it might feel upside down from, from what our culture and our, our feelings sometimes tell us is life. And that might mean that we walk through difficulty and pain and, and hard times that don't feel like goodness. And when life doesn't feel good or doesn't, doesn't seem to be abundant with life, he says to trust that he is good 
and, and to look to him for life. In Psalm 23, a familiar passage that most, most people know, it says that the Lord is my shepherd and he leads me in green pastures and, and beside still waters. And it also says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or, or the valley of deep darkness, you are with me and comfort me. So he's still the good shepherd. Um, the life he means to be giving us is not a carefree, easy, physical, earthly life. It's the sustaining life of God that is with us in green pastures and still waters and, and also in the valley of the shadow of death. And not just with us, but working all things for his glory and for our good. It's not perfect earthly circumstances that he's giving us, but he's giving us himself, his love and his care and life in, in all of the places that he leads our lives. If I don't trust that he is good in his shepherding, then instead of, of enjoying what he's given and, and resting in where he has me, I can be looking out and, and wondering if, if something else would be better. Um, is this really what he thinks is best for me? Is this really the abundant life that he, he wants me to have? It seems like I could be happier doing something else. And, and instead of receiving his provisions and, and following him, I'm looking for what else could be better somewhere else or how I would be happy if, if something changed or wondering if God even loves me because I don't have something that's really important to me or something that I want. We can be usually feeling resentment and, and unhappiness about life, not because God isn't caring for us and giving us life, but because we don't really believe that, that what he's given us is enough. Um, it feels like there's something else that, that we need as well. And so I can't always see the life and joy in front of me because I think that it's found somewhere else or because life would be, be good if my kids were different or if I was in a different place or if my husband changed in some way. Um, there's, there's a great struggle that we have to really see that the path that Jesus leads us in when he tells us to follow and obey him is the path of life, the path to experiencing the fullness of life that his salvation brings. It's not, it's not the path that takes us away from a really great life. Um, we can think our options are either to pursue our happiness or to do the right thing we're supposed to do and obey God. When we, when we obey God, we're not losing out on the good life. That's what it feels like a lot of times, not because we, we actually are missing out on good life by obeying God, but, but because that we are believing that goodness can be found somewhere else. And, and there's temporary pleasure in that. And so there's, it's, it feels appealing to say, I don't, I'm not sure that God is right about this. I think it's, some, it's somewhere else. Life, so life to the full is, is found in trusting him as our good shepherd, trusting that he is the one leading us and that he is good. He leads us into the abundant life. And it's not often by the way that we would go. The next, the next thing that we see here that Jesus is telling us is that his sheep listen to his voice and they follow him. His sheep hear his voice and know his voice and they listen to him and they don't, they don't follow other voices who are seeking to lead them somewhere else. There, there are other voices speaking to these sheep, others trying to tell them where to find life, where to find abundance and safety. In the day that Jesus spoke this, there, there were many other people claiming to be saviors and, and saying that they were, the, they were the Messiah and people should trust in and follow them. 
And he says, Jesus is saying, these other voices will ultimately steal, kill, and destroy, not give life. Um, this, this may seem like something we can't really relate to. Um, we're probably not encountering people coming and telling us that they are actually the savior um, and we need to follow them and then they t steal all of our money. That's not, probably not something that any of us are encountering on a daily basis. Um, but we do have many other voices speaking to us every day. We have voices from all over, from the world, from the culture around us, trying to tell us what we should build our lives on telling us what will give us happiness and what will give us fulfillment. We have voices in our own hearts that tell us what to believe about life and, and what we should do and what is important and how to treat other people. Um, Colossians 2, 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental forces of this world rather than on Christ. This seems to tell us that we're, we're to make sure who we are listening to and, and who, who we're listening to about um, what philosophies and what things we believe about life. Um, the idea that, that we can be taken captive by ideas and, and something we believe to be true seems like pretty strong language. But we live our lives and we make decisions and, and relate to other people based on, on what we believe to be true about God and about life and about ourselves. What we believe to be true affects everything about the life that we live. Um, an example of our day might be the idea or the philosophy that, um, that I need to put myself first above everything or that I should be whoever I wanna be. There should be no, no boundaries or limits to my life Happiness is found in, in my pursuing my own desires at all costs. These are, are common ways of, of looking at life and, and they're talking to us in, in endless Instagram posts. There may be, be some part of truth in them, but we have to be careful what voices we're listening to. We have to know what Jesus says and, and what his voice sounds like so that we can know what isn't his, what isn't his voice speaking to us. It matters who, who we listen to about life and, and where we believe that joy and peace and fulfillment are found. Not because we're the ones deciding what would make us happy, but because we will, will follow in the path of what we think will. And if we don't trust God's word and his commands to be the path of life, then, then we'll, follow, we'll follow other paths. Sometimes I have to stop myself in the middle of, of feeling just really irritated with one of my kids or feeling angry about something or just feeling overwhelmed with, you know, with all the responsibilities of life and I don't want to do one more load of dishes or I'm tired of picking up the same toys over and over again, um, which this, this scenario happens regularly. Um, and if, if I stop for a second and just acknowledge to God what's, what's going on in my heart, if I ask for help, I can see there's something I'm believing about what would make my life good. Um, what would be fulfilling to me in that moment? And it's not any of this. It's not any of the stuff that's happening. And these kids and this, this mess or this work or this duty that's right in front of me is, is getting in the way of what I think would, would be life and life to the full for me. But I'm listening to something in that moment. I'm, I'm always listening to and believing some voice telling me where to go and telling me what's good. I find this to be... The biggest, the biggest battle in motherhood, just the battle of my own mind and fighting to believe true things, to know, to know what God says and then to actually trust that, that he's right about what he's saying. 
I can have like two almost identical days in, in circumstances, meaning like they go the same way, I have the same, same responsibilities, my kids behave about the same, um, I, ha I have the same work to do, and then I can have two completely different experiences in both of those days. One day I could be resenting all of this and just weary and irritated and, and ready to give up and hopeless and feeling like it's so empty and I'm wasting my life. And then I can have another similar day and, and be full of faith and seeing the purpose and, and joy and gift in the work he's given me and, and the people that he's giving me to love and care for and, and feeling joy in, in being free to love other people. While there isn't much different about the actual day, there's a whole lot different in, in what I'm wanting and what I'm believing to be true and what I'm putting my faith in. It matters, it matters where I believe life is found and fullness of life is found in listening to the voice of Jesus. He's speaking to me the way of life. If we are a child of God, then we hear and we listen to Jesus and follow him. And in following him, we experience the life that he's come to give. So all of these things help us to understand what Jesus means when he says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. He's saying, I, I have come that though sin has brought death and brokenness, you might enter into life through me and not just be saved by me, but but also have this life here and now, and then, and then ultimately fulfilled in eternity. So he's saying, I'm not just the door, I'm also the shepherd. I'm not just giving you life, but I'm giving you life to the full. I'm not just giving you more time to fill, but he intends to fill that time with his goodness and his care and his presence. Does this feel kind of disappointing? Like, is there some other kind of, of fullness that we're hoping for Jesus to be saying that he's giving us? Sometimes I want him to, to give life that makes my kid take a nap today. Like, that would be good life. Or life that gets somebody to do the dishes. Or, or that gives us some more money. Um, or, or life that makes me be able to, to eat whatever I want to eat and be healthy still. Or life that speeds up these hard years and gets me past what I'm currently dealing with. Or, or just life that makes this day a little easier. Or maybe Jesus could just come clean my house or potty train a toddler. These are the things that feel like current needs of mine. Um, whatever I would fill in the blank, life would be good if whatever that blank would be. Um, it's hard to see how Jesus's life can actually help my current desires and struggles. So what, is, what does this fullness of life mean for, for my life? It means that this, this life that he gives is not life that makes for an easier or a more comfortable journey or one that's free of suffering. So just because the path may go through pain or inconvenience to ourselves or, or laying down of our preferences in something, this doesn't mean we aren't receiving Jesus's life for us. Jesus says things like, if you want to find your life, lose it. You want to be great among others, be their servant. Consider others more important than yourself. Love God and love others. Do everything for God's glory, not your own. This is the way that Jesus talks about what life should be like for us. This is totally opposite of what we feel like is the path of life and, and what the world says that we should do. That's the, the deception of our own hearts and of the world that we live in. The right, the right path of joy and life seems like the wrong one. It, in contrast to this, 
the Bible tells us that following and obeying God and keeping his commands is the path of life and joy and peace. So it's not as though he wants to be making um, things as hard as possible for us or that, that he doesn't want us to enjoy anything or get anything that we want. The goal is not to be as miserable as possible and sacrifice everything for other people. It's that often in the path of living in God's kingdom, we receive life and joy, and joy through the path of laying ours down. Um, not because he doesn't want us to be happy, but because we won't be happy unless um, we are in him and, and our lives are in his good pasture and in his care. Uh, think about, about the earth and, and how the earth life exists on the earth. It exists on this planet because it's in the perfect place in reference to the sun. It has very specific rules to obey. Um, it has one place that it can be. It has one way that it can move. It has to stay on its axis. If it moves at all or, or deviates at all from that, that path, everything dies. Um, it's, it has a very narrow way of existing. It has to obey God. It has to spin on its axis. It has to keep rotating around the sun in the same path. Um, and when it does that, there's an abundance of life here. Um, that, that's how we can see the path that God wants us to walk on. Not as what's keeping us from life, but as the path for abundant life to exist. Um, obeying him and listening to his word is, is the way of fullness of life. And, and this fullness, this also means that this fullness um, is for every day. It's for right now. So when we, when we become a Christian, we know that our sins and our past are forgiven. We, we trust that our eternity is secure. Um, I think it can be harder to understand how this matters right now, what we're supposed to do with the rest of this time and how it informs the things that are happening now. Um, we know that, that going to church or reading our Bible um, and praying are, are spiritual things that, that should be a regular part of our life. And God, God does mean to give us his life significantly through those things. But most, most of our time and most of our life feels like physical needs. It feels like family and jobs and paying bills and trying to have friends and dealing with pain and disappointment, um, trying to take a shower, cleaning the same mess countless times, making a hundred daily decisions for our family and what we're going to do. This life that he gives us is, is meant to fill all of life's moments. It touches everything. I love how in... Um, the Christmas song in, in Joy to the World, it says it this way. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. This is what life to the full means. This life on earth matters. We aren't just, just killing time. He's, he's working to bring this life to us in all of these moments and through us to bring this life to others. The Christian life is so much of, of drawing a line from Sunday and from our Bibles and our prayers all the way to the laundry pile and, and the conflict with our husband and the food that we're eating and the decision to make about school for our kids and our health problems and our fun nights with friends. All of this matters and, and can be offered to him in worship. None of it is unaffected by Christ's life in you. It has filled it has filled every part of your life. So life to the full, it's filling everything. The hard part of it is that it, it hardly ever feels like what it is accomplishing. We don't usually feel and see what God is accomplishing and working in and through us as we work faithfully. And it feels like very ordinary work. 
Um, there will probably be extraordinary moments in our life and ways that God will move and use us in major ways. But our life is mostly thousands of just small, ordinary moments where we live our life for some purpose and, and thousands of opportunities to walk in the path of life. So the circumstances of my life are not in the way of me getting to receive abundant life from God. It's the exact place where he wants to give me his life. So when we're, when we're up tired in the middle of the night with a kid, there's an opportunity for fullness of life. Um, it really just feels like moving your feet and cleaning up sheets and, or feeding a baby. Um, but it can be the path of life for us. We can draw that line up from this baby's feeding to Christ. In that middle of the night moment, life, life to the full doesn't mean that we have to try to smile and enjoy being awake at 3 a.m. It doesn't feel like, oh, this is just giving me life to be awake right now and have to get out of bed and clean up vomit. Um, Jesus isn't saying, I've come to give you life that you might enjoy all of these things that you don't particularly enjoy. Um, and I'm not going to, and I'm just going to make them easier for you to do. He's come that, that even in that moment, he is working life and, and he's making his blessings flow far as the curse is found. And the curse is found in the middle of the night in vomit sheets. So he must be there too. So this moment is not keeping you from life. It's the very moment that you're in. It's the very place his life is at work in you and through you. Um, if, it's where that, it's, if it's where you're in need and where you have work to do, then it's where he's leading and sustaining and providing for you. When we have to, to walk through physical pain or difficulty, when we're dealing with, with the stubbornness of a child, when we're frustrated with our own weaknesses, there is life available in Christ for us. It's for all of this. We are not meant to find our life in motherhood or our bodies or our organizational skills or in our discipline techniques or our eating habits or our sleep schedule. Life is in Christ. These, all these other things are ways that that life overflows into everything else. When we find our life in Christ, then we can do all of these other things and they, they won't be sources of anxiety and fear and frustration and control. They will be a means of helping us enjoy the good life that God's given us. Life is not found in a completed to-do list or a well-executed meal plan or being at the weight that you wanna be or having the amount of help and involvement from your husband that you want or getting your house decorated the way you want it or an endless motherly affection for our kids or in our kids' good behavior. None of these things in themselves are our source of life and fulfillment. Fullness of life is in Christ, and he gives it to us whether we are crammed in a tiny house or whether we have our dream house. And he gives it when we accomplish all of our tasks and when a sick kid means I leave the to-do list untouched. And he gives us life in the blessing of our husband doing something for us. And he's also the life he gives when our marriage is struggling and we don't know what to do. He gives us life in, in the fruitfulness of training our kids. And he also gives us life when, when we're trying to bring peace to siblings that are fighting. That helps us not, not to just think that we're supposed to be doing whatever makes life hard and whatever costs us the most. And God just wants us to be unhappy and suffering. He wants us to have life and have it abundantly. That's what he's telling us. Life usually comes through the path of death. Life from his death, life in in the breaking open and dying of a seed is what causes life to grow from the ground. And, and sacrificing and laying down my life isn't the point, but it, it's often the way. And we do work 
we, we work and work for our families and the things that, that we have to do. We do it with all of our might, but not looking to these things as the source of our life. And when we find it in him, then we can do all of these other things, not to find life, but as a means of giving and pouring out that life to those around us. These things in, in and of themselves aren't meant to be our ultimate fulfillment and joy. Our husband will never be enough. Our affection for our kids will never be enough. That can run out by 10 a.m. some days um, or earlier. Our kids' cuteness will not sustain us through many years of hard work. Our self-care won't be enough. Our friendships can't be our savior. No amount of time away or help from others will give us lasting life and peace and joy. That comes from Christ. All of these things can be great gifts that he gives us, and, and we are meant to enjoy them. And we may have great husbands and friends and help and a good health routine. Um, and it's, it is good to enjoy these things and see them as gifts from him. Um, they may be ways that God is giving us blessings in life, um, but they won't be sufficient for what God means for us to find in him. Jesus has come that we may have life that saves and gives us life forever and also overflows into a full joyful life here because Christ is sufficient for all of it. So just to, to recap and close, how, how do we experience the abundant life and the full life that Jesus has come to give us? We enter, we enter by the gate. We believe in the saving work of Christ for us. We trust the good shepherd. We trust him when things don't look and feel good. We trust that he loves us. And we listen to his voice. We read the Bible. We read it to find the words of life for us and to see God. And we walk in it. We obey God in his word. We worship and pray and live. So life to the full is found in trusting and obeying Jesus. That's what he's telling us in this passage.